the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Have a holly jolly Christmas. It's the best time of the year. I don't know if there'll be snow, but have a cup of cheer. And everyone you meet What's going on, everybody? It's another Al Gattulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer, we've got a great show for you tonight. And, of course, come on, it's almost Christmas time. Holly jolly Christmas. I mentioned this on last week's show when we were at Bolero Snort. Uh, and thanks for everybody who turned out uh, to the live broadcast over at Bolero Snort in beautiful Carlstadt, New Jersey, just a stone's throw away uh, from MetLife Stadium. We had a blast uh, with Toys for Tots, with the, uh, with the Army-Navy game. And, of course, the collabs as well. But as I mentioned it on last week's program, Burl Ives and Holly Jolly Christmas got to be one of my favorite, favorite Christmas tunes of all time. I love Rudolph the Red-Nosed Rain- uh, the Reindeer. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Oh, I can't believe I got that wrong. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> no, folks, I'm not drinking. It's just coffee. Um, but Rudolph is one of my favorite Christmas movies of all time. I could watch that movie over and over and over again. It's the best. I love it. It just it always puts me in a good mood. It's the holiday spirit. Um and Burl Ives was brilliant uh in it as the snowman. I just loved it. I remember it, it when I was a kid, I loved it. I still love it today as an adult and I mentioned this on last week's program and it's the reason why we're leading off with it uh on tonight's program. It's just a great song and uh, there is Absolutely nothing like it. Now, we've got a great show for you tonight. Uh, a craft beer guest that's going to join me in a little bit who has been on the program before, and she has a, a new book out, actually her first book, um, and uh, can't wait to talk with her uh, about that. You can follow me on Twitter at Al Gattulo, Instagram at Gattulo, G-A-T-T-U-L-L-O, Facebook.com slash A-G Craft Beer Cast, via email, Albert G at NYCRadio.com, iTunes, Google Podcasts, do a search for AG Craft Beer Cast. You can find the show there. And if you like it and you want to tell, tell a few friends, uh, spread the word to them. Send the link out. Uh, we encourage people to listen and give feedback, good or bad. doesn't matter. Uh, Alexa Ready as well. We're on Odyssey.com, iHeartRadio, and, of course, the Hopped Up Network. The guys, the guys over at the Hopped Up Network do a great job with uh, this particular program as well as the other programs that are on there that you can download and listen to at your leisure. Now, coming up in 20 minutes, Tara Nuren author of a wonderful new book that explores the history of women making beer. It's called A Woman's Place is in the Brew House. She's going to join me on the program. A fascinating discussion. She is also out in California 
uh, doing some appearances, Q&As. Uh, she'll sign copies of the book. Uh, I believe uh, this coming week's journey takes her to uh, Berkeley, California, as well as San Francisco. Um, she was in San Diego and some other places in Southern California and Oregon the week before. Um, but she is now um, in the northern part of California. Uh, and you definitely want to, if you have the opportunity, we'll mention the dates during the uh, interview. If you're out in California in the northern parts of California, uh, maybe you can catch her, have a beer, and uh, learn about the history of women in the brew house, which is really cool. Let us dive into some beer news. Now, um, we have one of the highest inflation rates in 30 years. Um, And listen, again, I don't want to get politics involved in this program because that's not what this is about, good or bad, Republicans, Democrats, whatever. Um, But we have a serious problem. Part of it was fueled by the pandemic. uh, And some of it is just, you know, these things happen. It happens because there is an ebb and flow to our economy. But one of the largest suppliers of aluminum cans are no longer going to be dealing with smaller craft brewers. Uh, This will lead to heftier costs, reduced variety, and higher prices uh, for consumers because the the brewer is going to have to pass um, their uh, expense back to use. A lot of them are not doing it right now, but at some point they're going to have to. Um, Bottles to cans has been a transition that has gone on for a number of years. There's a reason why uh, more brewers... Uh, put their beer in cans now as opposed to putting them in bottles. Um, Canned craft beer is lighter. It's easier to transport, makes them cheaper to ship to retail. Uh, It's an industry where business margins are very tight. So, listen, the cheaper that you can do something and still maintain that quality, you're going to do that to save some money, right, which also puts money back in your pocket, whether it's to pay employees or to help out uh, with bills. Um, Cans are very effective now keeping the beer fresh, you know, 20 years ago, they weren't because of the, you know, different issues, uh, but it protects you from light and oxygen, two of the worst enemies uh, for a beer as opposed to uh, bottles. So, uh, again, they can stay fresher longer. Sustainability, um, it helps the environment. Cans are easier uh, to recycle. Um, the Again, like I said, the can uh, technology is much better, um, and it really helps, um, you know, further... Uh, the brewer's uh, profit. And then canning lines uh, take up less square footage. You can use a mobile canning service. You can have your own canning service. Um, And again, lower shipping costs, which is, um, you know, a big deal. So um, the Ball Corporation is telling people now the minimum number uh, of of cans that breweries uh, must order, and and Jay Sykes, who was on the program last week from Flagship Brewery, uh, mentioned this. They now want you to buy a, like a million cans um, in an order. Now, this is the Ball Corporation, right? A craft brewer can't possibly buy, small, a small craft brewery can't possibly buy a million cans. First of all, it's an incredible expense that they have to lay out. But number two, where are you going to store the cans, right? Most craft breweries don't have the space for it. It's impossible. Now, Matt Barbieri from... Um, uh, two-ton brewing in Kenilworth was on Fox News a couple weeks ago uh, on Fox and Friends and mentioned this. Like, you know, they can't afford it. So what some brewers are doing is they're pairing up with a number of different breweries. Everybody's kind of chipping in and saying, all right, if we buy a certain set of cans, who can store them? And then we can, you know, split up the allotment uh, as best we can, which is great. Unfortunately, not a lot of people can do that. And so they have to go to a, a cheaper service 
where maybe they're not going to get a better, a, as good a quality uh, of cans. This is a major problem for brewers. And um, Bart Watson, the chief economist for the Brewers Association, said uh, it's going to be a real challenge for the affected brewers, primarily on pricing. They're going to be squeezed between the largest brewers, who won't see much change in availability pricing, and the smallest, who again won't see many changes. They've already typically bought via brokers. Those brewers have a tough choice of seeing their margin eroded or raising their price. So going into next year, you're going to see beer more expensive. People are already screaming that $20 for a four-pack of beer is a lot of money. You're going to see more than 20 You're going to see 24 maybe $26. You're going to see that that price being passed along to you, the consumer, and you're going to have to worry about, you know, do I buy it? Maybe the label's going to be smaller on the beer because it's going to cut back on costs. It, this is a problem. This is a major problem, and it's not going to end anytime soon. So um, this is a big to-do, um, and brewers really need to pay attention and understand as well as consumers, um, this is a problem that's not going to go away anytime soon. Aluminum um, is growing short, and it's becoming more expensive. And that's going to be a problem for a lot of people. Now, uh, Jay Sykes told us last week from Flagship Brewing, you know, they have a good company that they use. They kind of warned them ahead of time that this was happening, and they locked themselves in at a price where they can afford it. So right now they can afford to hold the cost and not pass it along to the consumer. But eventually it's going to take place. So be prepared for it. Speaking of the Brewers Association, Julia Herz uh, is returning uh, to the um, Brewers Association as the executive director, which is great. Uh, back on November 29th, the Brewers Association, based out of Boulder, Colorado, uh, announced the return of Julia, who exited the organization in 2020 due to the pandemic. Um, she is now going to be the executive director um, of the, uh, uh, the American Home Brewers Association, the BA's homebrewing arm. Uh, so this is going to be great. She is Julia. We've had Julia on the show before. She's awesome. Uh, and this is somebody who absolutely should be involved with the Brewers Association in some way. She is, um, you know, an accomplished home brewer. Um, she's a certified beer judge. She's an advanced uh, Cicerone, a beer educator. She's written a couple of books. She is just awesome. She created and published craftbeer.com. She served as an editor for the for a period of time, um, overseeing the BA's beer holidays. So many other good things. So congrats, Julia. This was a couple weeks ago. We didn't have a chance to get to it uh, until now. And so well-deserved from Julia back with the Brewers Association as the executive director um, of the American Home Brewers uh, Association, which is really, really cool. So kudos to you, Julia. Uh, This is absolutely um, well-deserved. And then uh, finally, the... uh, um, Big Brew, New Jersey is back. 10th anniversary. It's going to take place Saturday, February 19th uh, of next year. Our good friend uh, Allison sent us this information. It's returning to the Morristown Armory. Two sessions, over 200 styles of craft beer, great music, delicious food, wonderful vendors. Session one is noon to four, music by the Outcrops. Session two is 530 to 9:30. The music is by Rock Bottom. There's going to be a free shuttle bus to and from the Morristown train station. Compliments of the Big Brew. It starts at 11.30. The last ride is at 9.30 from the Armory. The benefit will uh, benefit the Morris Rugby Corporation. Tickets are on sale now at BigBrewNJ.com. You have to be 21 or older with picture ID. Can't wait. I am going to be at this event uh, come hooker by crook because Allison always puts on a fantastic event, and we have a wonderful time. 
and it's great to see some things that are getting back to normal. Now, when we come back after a short break, more news and notes from around the beer world. This is the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Listen to Bono all day long. U2 and Electrical Storm. That's the William Orbit mix. This is off the uh, Best of U2 album from 1990 to 2000. This album, welcome back to the Algatulo Craft Beer cast on AM 970, The Answer. This particular album, two CD set, uh, came out back in 2003, January of 2000. Or maybe it was the year before. Maybe it was just the year before that. Maybe it was 2002. I remember that because I bought that in San Diego. When I was out in San Diego for the Super Bowl uh, between the Bucks and the Raiders, because I needed something to listen to in the car. A um, couple of the San Diego radio stations were good, but not great. And I just wanted something. And this was the CD that I ended up buying, and it was a double CD set, so I was able to listen to it uh, over and over again for all my time that I was I was out in San Diego for almost a week um, riding around. So it was, uh, it was pretty cool. Good, uh, excellent album. I, I enjoy uh, going back to that best of. Uh, time and time again, and I'm a huge U2 fan. I would go see them uh, any day of the week. I think they have some new stuff coming out. I'm not sure if they're going to tour next year. Uh, I would think that they would, and maybe they would do something with Octong Baby because it was the 30th anniversary of Octong Baby uh, this year. So we'll see what happens. Uh, coming up in 10 minutes, Tara Nuren. She is the author of a wonderful book that explores the history of women making beer. It's called A Woman's Place is in the Brew House. She's going to join me coming up in 10 minutes. We had a great discussion a couple of weeks ago uh, about the book. She's doing some appearances uh, out in, uh, in California, Pacific Northwest. We'll get into that uh, along with a lot of other stuff uh, coming up in just 10 minutes from now. But after a brief hiatus in 2020 and 2021, the Colorado Brewers Guild has proudly announced that the state's most creative and collaborative craft beer tasting event is going to make its triumphant return on April 2nd at the Fillmore Auditorium uh, over on 1510 North Clarkson Street in Denver. Uh, ticket sales will be announced uh, in, at a later time, and as Executive Director Shawnee Adelson says, given that breweries make specific beers for this event, Collaboration Fest takes careful planning. It's pretty much a year in the making, which is why we had to be deliberate on when we would be able to host this event safely indoors. Uh, it is one of the CBG's uh, largest fundraisers. Uh, it is uh, celebrating their seventh year. It's the uh, original Collaboration Beer Festival where the Colorado Brewers Guild members team up with brewers both near and far and let their imaginations uh, run wild. Collaboration Brew Days typically start kicking off immediately once brewers sign up for the festival. And then the Collaboration Brews happen all winter long and through the spring. And then the beers make their appearance at the Collaboration Fest. 
Uh, beer lovers will get to sample everything from tried and true styles to some off the wall creation, says Adelson. There'll be something for everyone at the Collaboration Fest. Ticket sales, participating breweries, and collaboration beers will be announced at a later time. Uh, all you have to do is go to coloradobeer.org and search Collaboration Fest for the latest information. Again, with um, with all the COVID stuff that's going on right now, I'm hoping they hold to this April 2nd date. Uh, sounds like it will happen, uh, which is really cool. And uh, April 2nd is a Saturday, uh, so it'll be a lot of fun uh, from the Colorado, uh, Colorado Brewers Guild. So if you are uh, in that area, uh, get yourself some tickets. Uh, you will definitely not be disappointed. Now, a man in Minnesota, um, he has over 4,000. Listen to this. WCCO-TV reported Steve Miner has over 4,000 Ham's beer items to his name. Ham's was a uh, brewery uh, uh, in Minnesota. Uh, they range from old Backlit moving bar signs to cans dating back to 1935. He told the outlet he started his collection in the 70s. Miner also owns a business fixing the classic ham signs as well as vintage jukeboxes. That's pretty cool. I mean, to have that kind of collection and and obviously to have the space to be able to hold on to that collection um, is pretty cool. So uh, kudos to him on the amount of uh, beer collectibles that he has, which is uh, uh, really wild. Uh, and um, this was a story from a couple of weeks ago. Police in Tennessee apparently had to report several gallons of Jack Daniels whiskey was spilled on a highway on-ramp after a semi-truck overturned recently. The Murfsboro uh, police, de- uh, police Department said the semi tipped over as it was turning on Interstate 24, causing some of the bottles inside to break. The department shared photos of whiskey streaming from the truck after it was lifted back upright by a wrecker. Unclear how much of the $400,000 shipment of whiskey to Israel was damaged in the accident. The driver was not injured. Uh, that is a shame. I'm sure some people uh, will not be happy with that, that some uh, bottles of Jack Daniels broke. Uh, continuing on with our beer news here on the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer and portions of the program, of course, brought to you by Source Brewing. Get your beer directly from the source. Route 34 in beautiful Colts Neck, New Jersey, uh, right next to Delicious Orchards, was uh, there this past Friday. I had a couple of beers um, with some friends, uh, new friends, and and one of my friends from town. Um, got to meet up with some of his coworkers, and uh, we had a great time uh, just, you know, shooting the breeze and uh, enjoying some great beers uh, from Source. The collabs that uh, they did with Bolero and with uh, Screaming Hill, doing great. A lot of bottles coming out very soon uh, from Source. Uh, it is definitely the time of year where... You get that bottle of beer, and it's uh, it's a bigger bottle, and uh, you know you crack it open, and uh, you enjoy it with uh, with some family and friends. Always a lot of fun. But Trogues uh, Brewing has announced the release of Double Blizzard, an amplification of their fan favorite winter IPA, Blizzard of Hops, uh, weighing in at eight point three percent ABV. The semi hazy double IPA boasts huge citrus and pineapple notes with hints of soft pine. Uh, to achieve Double Blizzard's smooth texture and mouthfeel, Trogues uses a cooler temperature for its kettle hop additions. Um, the process softens the character of the Sentinel, uh, Chinook, and Eldorado hops used in the beer's recipe. On the cold side, Double Blizzard dry hopped with four pounds per barrel of Chinook and Galaxy. It is available in 16-ounce cans uh, and half and 16 and one-sixth uh, 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 kegs throughout states where Trogues beer is sold. This is coming out in early January, so you definitely want to check that out. Trogues makes some great stuff. You know, while I'm off... I really should take a ride out to Trogues. I mean, it's a bit of a hike for me, but I really should take a ride out to Hershey uh, and check out Trogues because I've heard they have a great tour. Um, the food is good. 
Uh, it's just a great place to go. And then, you know what? You hit Chalker World, uh, you know, on the way back. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, Alesmith Brewing uh, warming up the winter season with their rollout of their limited-release porter. The San Diego-based brewery is winding down the year with the addition of this limited release to its lineup. It is available uh, throughout this month. Actually, the month is almost over, but you can absolutely get it uh, at Alesmith at their uh, Miramar Tasting Room. Uh, Ryan Crisp, their head brewer, says they're so excited about the flavors of this beer and how they come together with the cooler temperatures approaching. We wanted to add a new beer to the lineup that would appeal to the season and to the palate of our dark beer fans. It pairs well with barbecue, chili, desserts, and blue cheese. You can get your hands on it uh, throughout December nationwide at select retailers in six-packs, 12-ounce cans, plus on draft, uh, as I said, at the Miramar Tasting Room in San Diego. Uh, and you can find the retailer nearest you by visiting Ale Smith's Beer Finder. Now, finally, there's a mask mandate in New York State again. So, um, And the way it works is this. Uh, Governor Hochul has said if you enter a public space, you have to wear a mask. Now, the breweries have taken this to mean that no matter what, you, ha- you have two choices. Either it's a vaccine mandate for everybody, that in order to enter the business, you have to be vaccinated, or everybody has to wear a mask. Now, again, what, what, what's bothersome to me is that you're saying that it is up to the business to enforce this, which I think is completely ridiculous. Um, and there are some areas in the state that are not even going to bother enforcing it. They want to get people vaccinated et cetera, et cetera. They don't want to have to be sending people out from the health department to start finding people, um, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, again, why are we putting the onus on the small business? Why are we making the small business the vaccination police? You know, and I, I don't get wearing a mask, sitting down, taking off the mask, and then you're going to drink. How are you not getting COVID if COVID is running rampant throughout the year? Um, I have some major issues with this. I don't think it should be up to the small business owner. I think you're stifling businesses again. You're hurting small businesses. I am sure that there are businesses that will comply. I am sure that there are breweries that say, forget it, I'm not complying. Most of those businesses probably upstate. And people are going to say, well, I'm not going to patronize your place. That's your prerogative. But I think it's ridiculous that you're putting this back on the the business owner again. I I think it's absolutely stupid and short-sighted from Governor Hochul. And I think this is the first kind of mistake that she's made so far in her tenure as governor. We shall see. I mean, that's, you know, that's just my opinion, folks. But I, I just don't think that a, a mask mandate and telling people, and this isn't like you sit at the table and you take the mask off. You have to have the mask on the entire time, which I think is ridiculous. What are you going to do? When we come back after a short break, Tara Nuren will join me. This is the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Welcome back to the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer, a little Sammy Hagar in the circle. Going Santa's going south. That's the name of that one. They put that out last year. Uh, when they were in a lockdown, and what a great job the boys did in that. And the four of them played their instruments separately uh, in location, and then they had a guy mix it together. But certainly my next guest uh, will be somewhere in Southern California and then in Northern California in the next couple of weeks, and um, there's a good chance she might not see any snow uh, before the end of the year. We've had her on before plenty of times. She is 
Uh, she regularly writes for Forbes along with many other publications writing about beer, wine, and spirits. But right now, she is a first-time author of a wonderful book that I am halfway through and I've got to finish before the end of the year that explores the history of women making beer. It's called A Woman's Place is in the Brew House. You can purchase the book, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever you get your books. Let me welcome back to the Craft Beer Cast, Tara Noren on AM 970 The Era. Tara, congratulations on the new book. How are you? Thank you, Al. It's so so nice to connect with you and hear from you. You're like that warm, fuzzy presence in my life whenever I encounter you. I, I, um, I appreciate that. And the last time I saw you was actually June uh, at the Atlantic City Beer and Music Fest in Baderfield, and it was so nice to reconnect with everybody, uh, having you know not being able to see a lot of people for over a year. But, Tara, why has it taken so long for somebody to write a book about women in the brew house? Oh, my God, that's a great question. <laughs> um, and, you know, it kind of gets right to the point of the book. I mean, the subtitle of my book talks about the forgotten history. Well, you know, as I've learned so much about through the process of researching this book, the, the, the stories of people who are not the dominant population in a civilization do not often get told. Um, and that's for a lot of different reasons. But, you know, women in almost every civilization throughout time have not been the dominant population. And um, so they didn't write down their own stories in some cases because they were mostly illiterate. Um, and in a lot of cases, um, because they couldn't own property or anything, so they don't show up in the business records, even if they were, you know, running a business. And then other people, a.k.a. men, didn't really consider what they were doing to be interesting enough to put pen to paper. <laughs> so here we are, 2021. Right. The first full history comes out. Uh, <laughs> and, setting the record straight. Right. And many of the first brewers in Mesopotamia were, in fact, women. And, and it was a fairly respected occupation. So what what changed that put more emphasis on on men? Were they, they were. I, I'm assuming, I guess, that... The women were just marginalized and men were, were, were thrusted into this position of, yeah, they're the brewers. It's not really the women that were doing the brewing. Yeah, you know, another really great question. Um, I mean, it's different in each civilization, you know, as to what specifically happened. Right. But you're mentioning ancient Mesopotamia. Um, you know, it happened over thousands of years where the patriarchy kind of calcified, right? Mm -hmm. um, and whether that was because there was more need for war, and so for various reasons men would be going to war, and so what happens when men come back to war? If they're still alive, maybe they become a war hero. Right. They become a politician. And so more men were, um, you know, becoming powerful and then writing the rules. And... Right. Often, as we know, the people in power like great rules that benefit them. <laughs> yep, I, I understand that completely. Talking with Tara Nuren, writer for <laughs> Forbes. She's an author, the, a first-time author of a wonderful book. It explores the history of women making beer. You can purchase the book at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever you buy your books. It's called A Woman's Place is in the Brew House. And I think one of the things that I love about this book, Tara, is that there are so many of the stories that you tell about the modern women in brewing and how so many of their stories and contributions to brewing get lost, which, you know, obviously in, in you know, the modern era, you would think that these stories wouldn't get lost. From the women's perspective, how thrilled were they to get their recognition that they so richly deserved? 
Oh, Al, that's my favorite part of having written the book. So when it comes to the older women who helped start the craft beer industry in America and who, in many cases, really vanished from the beer world and vanished from the record completely or never even made it into the record, as we talked about, they, I'm just getting the most amazing messages from them. Um, luckily, I've been able to meet a lot of them in person, so I do have, you know, a bit of a, a nice personal relationship. Right. And, you know, one of them said, I feel seen, you know? Right, right. Um, like, here, yeah, I mean, their contributions have never, ever, ever been recognized. And, you know, look at everything that craft beer is today. And they were there at the very beginning, and it's like they didn't exist. And so, yes, the feedback from them has just been, like, so gushingly grateful for telling their own personal stories. Now, on the side of the younger women, I'm getting equally emotional and um, enthusiastic responses, but it's different. That's obviously less about them personally because they wouldn't have necessarily made it into the book by name. Right. Um, but they feel like they, like, I guess inspired isn't necessarily as strong a word as I would like it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, inspired, empowered, just like feeling like they're part of a community now that they might not have realized before. And that community is not just present day women in beer, but it's women going back 200,000 years, right. you know, and looking into the future. So I, I say that like they feel connected to a community that is both deep and wide. Yeah, see, that's really cool. And I also enjoyed the story of Deb Carey and how she created New Glarus in Wisconsin and hired her husband as the head brewer. And from what I hear, they make excellent beer. But, Tara, why do you think they don't sell any of it outside of Wisconsin? Is it a personal decision from the owners? Uh, you know, I'm not privy to those high-level decisions at New Glarus. No, I mean, right, but... I guess I could ask Deb. <laughs> no, I'm laughing. Um, you know, they don't need to. Right. Um, they're one of the top-selling breweries in the country. And like you say, they don't sell out of Wisconsin. So um, I know that a couple of years ago they built a brand-new big facility. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're, they're craft brewers. They don't have hundreds of millions of dollars, even if they wanted to expand outside Wisconsin, which I don't know that they really do at this point. Um, yeah, it's, it wouldn't necessarily be economically feasible without really going and just changing up their entire financing model. They need to get a ton more money than they're currently offering with. Got it. We're talking with Tara Nuren. She's a writer for Forbes, but she's the author of a new book that explores the history of women making beer. It is called A Woman's Place is in the Brew House, and she's actually she's out on the West Coast. She's doing some appearances. She's going to be in Berkeley, California this coming week, Oakland, California, and she's doing an event uh, in San Francisco on the 23rd of December uh, at Anchor Brewing Company. It's a meet and greet. It's from 6.30 to 9 p.m. on Thursday, uh, December 23rd, so you can go out there. You can purchase a copy of the book. You can chat with Tara, uh, maybe get a little autograph or something. Kind of cool here. We're on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Tara, can you explain to the audience why the Pink Boot Society is so important and how Terry uh, Ferendorf started it? Yeah. Um, so, excuse me, for those listeners who don't know, the Pink Boot Society is an international nonprofit organization that is dedicated to women in the alcoholic beverage industry. Um, We give a lot of scholarships out. We have a lot of networking opportunities, a lot of educational opportunities. Um, It started in 2007, and until, let's say, about two years ago, it was exclusively for women in beer. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and Terry Ferendorf was one of the um, first female craft brewers in the country, or brewmasters. She's got a ton of, she's got a lot of hardware. So right. her name, a lot of metals. Um, and it started by accident. Um, she drove a van around the country, stopping at, God, I want to say like six. I'm not going to say a number. She stopped at a lot of breweries. Right. Uh, well into the double digits to brew there, to brew collaboration beers. Um, and whenever she would get to a brewery where a woman happened to be a brewer, which were only a few, um, they'd have her brew with the woman. And a couple times, the women Carrie would meet would say, oh, my God, I didn't know that there were any other women in beer in brewing. She was like, wait, okay, so something's got to change. So she put together this list um, of women she knew in the beer industry. And then she started getting calls from around the country, like from journalists and other women. Can I be in your group? She's like, I didn't know this was a group. <laughs> um, and, and it became a group. And uh, here we are. And actually, Terry is um, not only the person who wrote the forward to the book, right. but the person who basically told me I had to write the book. Awesome. <laughs> So she inspired you to write this, and you know what what Pink Boots Society does to give back to women in the beer industry is is pretty awesome, and that is always a good thing. It's always great to give back. Last question from me, Tara: Your thoughts on uh, Julia Hers coming back to the Brewers Association as an executive director? Wow, curveball, Al! <laughs> I love it. Hey, whatever Julia wants to do that makes her happy, I am a thousand percent behind her. I could take up a whole podcast talking about how amazing she is. Um, she's got the chops so deeply. I mean, she started homebrewing decades ago. Mm-hmm. That's what brought her out to Colorado and the Brewers Association in the first place. And I'm excited because I know that um, she is going to focus on bringing in new populations to homebrewing, you know, women, <clears throat> excuse me, people of color. Right. Um, people who are gender non-conforming. Um, and she and I have already spoken about ways we can work together to um, bring more women in. That's, so I'm stoked about that. That's awesome. I've interviewed Julia before, and she is a wonderful resource of you know education and promoting in the beer industry, and she's done a phenomenal job, and this is something uh, that is well-deserved. My guest has been Tara Nuren. She's a writer for Forbes, but she is the author, first-time author, a new book. It's called A Woman's Place is in the Brew House. Go pick it up. It makes a perfect Christmas gift. It makes a perfect gift anytime you want to educate your beer friends about how women were the driving force behind beer thousands of years ago and are still doing that today. Tara, thanks so much for joining me tonight. Very much appreciate it. Thank you, Al. I'll see you at the next AP Beer Fest, you, but not sooner. <laughs> you, you got it. Well, we will definitely share a beer together. When we come back, it's time for Suds and Duds on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. Now, when you think Christmas, do you think William Shatner? Let's let me let me guess. 
You probably don't. Welcome back to the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, the answer to the final segment of the program, uh, which, of course, is always the suds and duds. I, I William Shatner came out with his Christmas album, Shatner Claws, the Christmas album back in 2018. Um, it is a phenomenal Christmas album. It really is. Now, I try to play it at home. My wife yells at me, right? Um, people listen to it. They're like, what is this? He is amazing. I mean, truly, I want to say William Shatner is an American icon, but he's Canadian. Uh, but William Shatner, folks, is is just a, is an unbelievable treasure, okay? Yes, he's Captain Kirk from Star Trek. Yes, he's T.J. Hooker from the T.J. Hooker series. Yes, he's all of these things. Author, singer, um, actor. He's done it all. Horse rider, astronaut, right? Went up into space. Um, but the, the enduring thing about William Shatner at 90 years old is that he continues to work as if his very life depended on it, right? Um, you know, we're coming to that time of year where we're getting together with families, Christmas and New Year's and, uh, you know, Thanksgiving just passed and what do we have to be thankful for and whatever. I, I think it's remarkable that William Shatner is alive at 90 is still doing new things, wants to do new things. Um, his Twitter account, he responds to people on his own. He doesn't have a handler that's, you know, a tweeting, you know, for him or whatever, this and that. He is doing all of these things on his own. And I think that's the key. I think that's the key to life. I think as we get older, we become more complacent of the things that we do. We're used to the routines that we do. I find myself this way. Um, I'm a social person, but in a lot of ways... I don't want to socialize with people. Um, I, I kind of, you know, I, I have my circle of friends, and those are the people that I want to spend time with. Do I reach out to newer people? Yeah, I do. But a lot of times it's on my terms when I want to do things, not other people's terms. Um, but I think the great thing about William Shatner is that he's continuing to push the envelope to do things new, and he takes chances, and he does them because it's fun. You know, yeah, sure, he makes money. I, I get that part of it. But he's having fun doing it. And isn't that what life is all about? I get it. There's bills. There's there's responsibilities. There's things to do. But in the end, life is also about having fun. And if you're not having fun, that's a problem. I don't care how much money you make. If you're not enjoying it, if you're not, if you're not embracing life in a fun way, then what are you doing? What are you really doing in the end? That's just my my opinion and thoughts. Anyway, let's dive into Suds and Duds because uh, this is the second to last Suds and Duds for the year. Uh, the final show is going to be a best of uh, for sure. I already have a couple of interviews picked out for that, um, but I'm finalizing it and putting it together and uh, should have it done within the next couple of days or so. But um, next week will really be the truly you know, last live show, brand new show uh, for the year for 2021. And you know, thank goodness we're getting into that next year, that 2022. I couldn't wait for 2020 to end. I can't wait for 2021 to end. It's time. Anyway, let us dive into some beers. Uh, Touchdown by Jersey Cyclone. This is a very smooth, tasty dunkel. Jan does a great job over here at Jersey Cyclone. I have got to make a visit. During the um, Christmas break, I've got to take a ride over to Jersey Cyclone, hit up a couple of the breweries down that way in Somerset uh, that I have not been to. There's a few uh, that are down there that I haven't made my acquaintance on, and uh, I definitely have to stop in 
uh, to a couple of these places. Try a couple of beers, move on to the next one. But definitely something that I need to do. Um, Mole Merkin by Firestone Walker. Uh, this was on tap at Paragon, the Jersey Cyclone, and this beer, a couple of the beers, on tap at Paragon Tap and Table, uh, 135 in Clark, New Jersey, right off of the uh, Clark exit, right next to, uh, across from the Target, uh, in the Target Shopping Center. Great place for food and drink. The guys there do a fantastic job. Keith, Ernie, uh, Mike, everybody there, Funk behind the bar, uh, Dom, everybody there does a phenomenal job. And I love going there. It's my neighborhood spot. It's my cheers. Um, I never have a bad time there, and they always are putting on fantastic, fantastic beers uh, that I love uh, so much. The Mole Merkin by Firestone Walker is a phenomenal beer. Everything that Firestone Walker does uh, is, to me, is gold for a national brewer. Just enough heat on this one. Um, it's there. It's not cloying. You get that, you know that the that heat sensation and it backs off and then it's just really, really uh, nice uh, and smooth. A great beer from the folks at Firestone Walker. Uh, One that they had on can uh, at Paragon that I ended up buying, uh, Miles of Trials, batch number one by Timber Rails. Uh, This is a perfect IPA at 6.5%. It's not too strong. It's not too, um, it's not too, it's not too weak. Um, Although weak is a bad term. I, you know, in in general, a really good IPA, yeah, there are great doubles, there are great triples, but really, six and a half is kind of the wheelhouse, right? It's, you know, that halfway where you can have a couple, uh, not feel too overwhelmed, uh, whereas if you're having a double or a triple, probably one or two doubles, and you're probably done for the night, this is a little different. Um, tons of flavor in this, juicy. And again, the guys from Timber Rails, um, they do, uh, you know, their wheelhouse is really stouts barrel-aged stuff, um, but th- when they make an IPA, uh, sours, um, when they make an IPA, <laughs> man, it is a really, really good IPA. Another brewery that uh, Keith from Paragon had turned me on to um, and didn't know much about, Short Throw Brewing. I believe 12% puts them out, um, or d- at least does their beer and then you know distributes them. This is First off, I love the can. But this is, without a doubt, a dessert style of beer. Super decadent. Thick, chocolate. Um, It is just an amazing, amazing beer. In fact, I split this uh, with my best friend, Mark. We got together after Thanksgiving um, to have a couple of beers. We hadn't seen each other in a while, and we wanted to just, you know, have some dinner and beer, you know, beers and drinks. This is a a phenomenal beer. Um, No Requests is the name of it. If If you have an opportunity to get it, I suggest that you get it. It is absolutely delicious. And, of course, they always have a beer from Source on tap. They also always have a beer from Bolero on tap, too. So portions of the program brought to you not only by Bolero Snort, and we thank them for their hospitality last week um, at their brewery. What a great time we had with everybody. Army-Navy game. We got everybody ready. Um, had some great – had some a lot of fun uh, over at Bolero Snort. And, of course, portions brought to you by Source Brewing. Uh, get your beers directly from the Source. Beautiful farmhouse brewery. Route 34, Colts Neck, New Jersey, right next to Delicious Orchards. Visual Cortex VCX, this is the 10th version of this beer. Super smooth for a triple. Went down really nice. Uh, I had no issue with it. Um, Definitely something that I enjoyed uh, a great deal, and you definitely want to get if you're over at Source. Had a chance to stop at Twin Elephant uh, for a couple. Fantastic. With my Hillians, an outstanding 
uh, or Hellions, Hellions, uh, an outstanding English mild. I am really happy that more breweries are doing homage to this style. I love a good English mild. They're a great dark beer that is very light that you can have a few and not have to worry so much uh, about getting in the car and drinking and driving. You can have a couple, you know, uh, stop drinking, and you can sober up uh, relatively quickly. It's a great beer. Definitely get it while you're there. If you're at Twin, at Twin Elephant and ripen the pint, blackberry, pineapple, and lemon. Oh, my goodness gracious. A slamming beer. Big hit of blackberry followed by the tartness of lemon and then a kiss of pineapple on the back end. I cannot describe this beer any better. It is delicious. Uh, my wife had a couple sips of it. She loved it. We, we really enjoyed the beer. And I just love the atmosphere at Twin Elephant. It's great to see uh, all the folks there, Cindy and the crew. I, I just love um, spending time there. It's small. It's got a nice homey feel to it. It feels like I'm kind of in, uh, in my basement or my garage and just hanging out, listening to some good music and uh, having a couple of beers. It's a great place to go. And then finally, uh, Oist Out by uh, Ross Beer. Uh, this was something I had a while back and wasn't able to check into it, and I finally did. Um, nice flavors. Dry but tasty. Uh, it's just what you want from an oatmeal uh, stout. Uh, it is definitely something that uh, I enjoyed very much. Um, definitely, definitely a beer. It's not. I wouldn't consider this a dessert beer. I would consider this a beer to have with food. Uh, I would say that uh, seafood, obviously, because it's an oyster stout, would be perfect for it. Um, but also, um, you could probably pair it up, I would think, with a, with a little bit of a, a spicy food. I think you could pair it up, certainly. Um, it is uh, it is a delicious beer, and the guys from Ross, they are getting ready to open uh, very, very soon. And I cannot wait for their brewery to be open because it is another stop that I can make on the beer trail. Now, my thanks to everybody involved in the show, as well as my guest, Tara Nuren. Uh, definitely go check her out uh, over in the Pacific Northwest this week. Uh, she is doing some great things at her book signings, and hopefully you have a book on hand because she doesn't have that many copies, um, supply chain issues, and all that other stuff. And, of course, last but not least, the great Buddy Watson. I am back Monday on the Joe Piscopo Show at 6 a.m. Uh, I hope everybody has a Merry Christmas. Uh, I will uh, talk to you uh, on the Piscopo Show, and I will speak to you next week on the final live show of 2021. This has been the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Cheers, everybody. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.